This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We're going to start here. To, uh, I was going to kind of cover all of the topics, race, identity, and politics, but I started on race, and I couldn't get out of there. So God just kept me on that. Um, and so I just want, we're going to start out with that. And I might just touch on some of those other things. And the point of having identity in the middle of all of it is because identity is affected by all of that. The identity of people, identity is attached to all of that. Sometimes we attach our identity to things that aren't in the word. It's just because of what happened. It's because of life. It's because of culture. And uh, culture and all that is a beautiful thing. Uh, but it is not who you are. You, even your parents don't really accentuate or represent all that you are because God just, if you want to look at it from a spiritual perspective, he just chose two people to get you into the earth. You were with him before you came up inside uh, your mom, mama's belly. Come on now. Uh, you know, so, so he just, he, he, he puts you up in there. Um, you are in Christ, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. So you are a spiritual being. Uh, having an earthly experience. You, you aren't from here, okay? You are a spiritual being, and God saw fit to beautify you with your culture and the color of your skin, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, look at somebody and point at your skin and say, God made this, okay? God made this. Sacred, all right? All right? And so, uh, come on now. We're all beautiful in his sight. He made all of us red, yellow, black, and white. We're all beautiful in his sight. All right. Come on now. Black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. Come on now. All the, come on now. Light, light-skinned it is beautiful. I'm light-skinned it. I'm light-skinned. Mulatto. All right. All that's beautiful. Come on now. God made it. Come on now. God made it. It's one thing you can't touch. God made somebody a certain way. And when you're hated on because of that, they're messing with something God made. It's sacred. God made it. Samoa, Samoan is beautiful. God made it. Kinky hair, blonde hair, long hair, short hair, super tight perm hair. It's beautiful. Afros are beautiful. <laughs> straight hair is beautiful all right here we go enough of that all right um but i'm going to talk about race here and in light of this but in in mark this is the point here right here this is the point mark chapter 16 verse 15 this is jesus and he said to them go into into all the world uh and sometimes we look at that like uh, going like missionary no but like us we are today this month we're going into the world of politics race and identity we're going to preach the gospel go into it don't avoid it uh we're, we're not a church that's going to avoid it we're going to go into it we're going to be in it and not of it and we're going to preach in the middle of it we're going to be christ and, and I'm, I'm encouraging you go into the world we're not we're not running from the public school system we're going into it we aren't running from politics we're going to go into it we aren't running from um, uh, people and their identity issues in the world. We're going to go into it 
and preach the gospel. We aren't running from the uh, racial divide. We're not avoiding those things. Uh, we're going to go into the racial tension in America, and we're going to preach the gospel. All up in it to win it for Jesus. These conversations are difficult. That's why most people don't do it. It's not easy. Um, but it's required from your pastor's perspective. I take this personally. Uh, I, I carry this with a lot of conviction that we as a community are required, not based on me, but based on the theology in the word of God. I believe that um, the church has not done her job in these areas. Or when it's done, and I'm not saying it's everywhere, it's just done one-sided. It's political and not spiritual. Come on, we're going to get up into politics and not get political. We're going to get spiritual. Come on now, y'all with me on this? Am I more excited than you are or what? Some of y'all are like, well, just get on with it then. Just get on. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. So check this out. I'm going to just give you a little history with the church in America um, here. And I'm going to read something here. And then, but that, that's the point right there. That's why. Why are we doing this? Because the Bible says to go into it and preach in it. In this part, the cosmos, the different areas of the world. We're going to go into it and preach the gospel in it. And our prayer is that we are better as a result of this. That we are more understanding as a result of this. That we are more Christ-like as a result of this. That we know how to handle the tough conversations as a result of this. That we can get up in it and not, not, not push a religious political agenda on people. That is not Jesus, but we could be Jesus in the middle of it. And people don't look at us sideways because you were over here inviting them to church and now you are acting crazy when a political topic is brought up. Like what just happened? Loose that person and let them go. Come on now. But I understand it's sensitive. There's wounds. This isn't easy. I'm the one up here doing this. It's not easy. Okay. Uh, but, but it's required. It's important. And I believe God is on it. Amen. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this. Check this out. But in April um, 16th, 1963, Martin Luther King wrote a letter to eight white pastors from Birmingham jail for going to jail for the civil rights movement. And the reason he did it is he wanted them to get on board with him. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, they, up to that point, didn't really support the movement in the South because of what it would cost them. And I'm going to read some of his letter. It's a very, the man was a brilliant writer, by the way. If you just want to study um, writing and just, man, just the eloquence of this letter is amazing. But I want to re read this because it provides some context of where we're going to go with this. He said this, I have been so greatly disappointed with the white church and its leadership. Of course, there are some notable exceptions. I'm not unmindful of the fact that each of you has taken some significant stands on this issue. When I was suddenly catapulted into the leadership of the bus protests in Montgomery, Alabama, a few years ago, which you're, you're, we're talking about, the, it goes back to the Freedom Riders, which were actually a mixed group coming from the north, actually, in buses together. And they were flipping where they were going to sit. And so, uh, and so that, that's what triggered some of that. This is 1963, and that the um, Freedom Riders, I believe, were more in the 50s and started some things. 
uh, when I suddenly catapulted into leadership of the bus protest in Montgomery, Alabama. That was the result of the Freedom Riders. It was a little later. Um, I, felt, I felt we would be supported by the white church. I felt that the white ministers, priests, and rabbis of the South would be among our strongest allies. Duh. I would have th thought that too. Uh, instead, some have been outright opponents refusing to understand the freedom movement and misrepresenting its leaders. All too many others have been more cautious than courageous. And that's one thing we aren't going to be as a church is err on the side of caution when it comes to reconciliation. Uh, courageous and, and have remained silent. Now we're talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Remain silent behind, I can't pronounce this word, anesthetizing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, security of stained glass windows. I have heard numerous Southern religious leaders admonish their worshipers to comply with a desegregation decision because it is the law. But I've longed to hear white ministers declare, follow this decree because in integration is morally right and because the Negro is your brother. In the midst of blatant injustices inflicted upon the Negro, I have watched white churchmen stand on the sideline and mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities. Basically talking so much, but they ain't saying nothing. Okay, can I interpret that for you? In the midst of a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice, I've heard many ministers say, those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern. And I have watched many churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion, which makes a strange, unbiblical distinction between body and soul, between the sacred and the secular. I'm almost done with the letter or the portion I'm reading. You should go read this letter. It's amazing um, as far as just the history in it. Um, it. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Now, folks, we're in the 21st century and much of these things are still going on. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Here it is. Um, somebody say, say law. That means pause. Think about that. The church... 85% um, of churches in America are represented by one race. From coast to coast, 85% of churches in America are one race or predominantly occupied and engaged in one race. Somebody say there's still a problem. Here's culture, but this is what culture happening in culture. All right, are you guys okay with this? Culture over the past... Over the next 20 years, this is what they're speculating, uh, that uh, the increase of ethnic groups in America are, look like this. Asians, 143%. Well, our nation will grow in the Asian population. And I know that's a general Asian. <laughs> There's a lot of different Asians, but that's what's here. Hispanics, 114%. Blacks, 42%. Whites, 22%. So what it tells us is the church isn't even mirroring population. 
shift. So it's, it's, it's separated from culture. Now, I understand culture isn't sacred. You know what I mean? I'm not saying we need, need to, but when it comes to people shifting and the church is not shifting with it, there's a problem. I said there's a problem. And the number one people group in America, astronomically larger than all of these, is mixed people. People that are of mixed race or ethnicity, 226%. So Dominico and Giovanna fit right into that 226%. But that is where our nation is going, and the church is not. Yeah, Jesus. What are we going to do about it? All right. Welcome to Hopeland Church. <laughs> All right, here we go. I told y'all, man, I, I posted this. Pray for us. We're about to go there. I know it's quiet, but, you know, it's all right. It is all right. Um, there are two cultural ways to build a church. Here you go. Uh, um, there's an earthly way, earthly culture. It's based on the natural realm. It's based on what I want, what I think will get a certain type of people here. Then there's a kingdom culture based on the spirit of God and connecting to the human spirit in people. When churches say we love and welcome everybody, but you look out there and that ain't nobody but one type of person. What, I'm not saying they don't believe, maybe they do believe that, but you saying one thing and doing another and that confuses people. Come on now, come on now. All right, I, I, and here it is. I'm, I'm just aggressive by nature, okay? So I'm not saying that everybody needs to uh, kind of approach things. The way, you know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm a, my own person, and I'm working out my salvation, okay? But, uh, but, uh, but we all need to look at this, okay? We all need to process this. And, um, and this is regardless of your personality upbringing or your lack of culture or abundance of culture or you grew up in a mixed environment and you've always been around different people that aren't like, that's a beautiful thing. But, and whether, or maybe you were a little more sheltered, maybe just based on how you grew up, it's just a more of a bubble environment. Uh, regardless, it does not matter. The, the gospel says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, the go and, and I am responsible and accountable the Bible talks about how we are building a spiritual house first. And so when you got a spiritual house, when that is the emphasis, when that is the core of the house, uh, I believe that it is, should be a house of prayer, spiritual for all nations. I don't have to work hard at trying to create a multi-ethnic environment if I remain spiritual. Amen. And you don't, you don't have to, uh, and uh, like, look, this is, I just, my context, I have come up around a lot of different people, and I have had from childhood a tendency by nature, I don't know why, to lean towards people outside of my culture ever since childhood. So I, what I'm saying is some people might say, well, that's Pastor Sean, you know, he just hangs out a lot of Mexicans and black people, so of course he's going to preach on that. And that is true, but that is not the why. Okay, so you might be like, yo, I don't know how. I mean, it's kind of awkward when I get around different people. Well, good. Get around them and it's going to help you out. But what I'm saying is your, my context is one thing and it's, it's who I am. It's how I was raised and brought up in this world and what I just naturally tend to lean towards. But just because I do that, that's not the reason why I'm doing this. It might be a little bit, but it's not the main reason why I'm doing this. Come on, somebody say amen. Okay, here we go. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, um, says this, this is Jesus' prayer. Your kingdom come. I'm kind of walking us through something methodically here, okay? But your kingdom come, not earthly culture come, but your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, earthly culture, as it is in heaven, heavenly culture. There are no white churches in heaven. There are no black churches in heaven. There is God's people up in there. And everybody's like, and so his kingdom. We are a kingdom church, kingdom first. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on other earth as in heaven. Now back in Genesis chapter 11, it's when uh, peop the people in the earth spoke one language. They were all talking the same language. And they wanted to do something. To, there was some pride, some ego involved, some, some lust, if you will, to build something. Like, let's make a name for ourselves, per se. So they built this tower up to heaven. And God was like, look, we can't, be, we can't be having that. So God came down and he divided them. Genesis chapter 11, verse 8. I'm going somewhere. So the Lord scattered them abroad from, from there over the face of all the earth. And they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the people. And, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Somebody say culture. So if you even look scripturally, all the wars and divisions in humanity since then have been throughout, throughout history are based on earthly culture. Even the empires are based on culture. Persian empire. Somebody say earthly culture. Earthly culture. Roman empire. Earthly culture. Egyptian empire. Earthly culture. And so it's always been this fight over culture, um, fight over an earthly dwelling, an earthly connection, uh, um, you know, uh, amongst uh, people of the same ethnicity, the same group. We're going to go there and conquer. And, and so there it is. But here we go. Acts chapter 1. It's when the Holy Spirit came. It's when Jesus died, he buried, he rose again. And, and he said to go to Jerusalem Wait for the Holy Spirit. This is literally, in Scripture, the last words that Jesus said. Okay? This is what he said. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which is family. Somebody say family. Judea. Somebody say community or neighborhood. Look at your neighbor and say, all up in the neighborhood. Okay, so family neighborhood, Samaria. Somebody say Samaria. So in Samaria and to the end of the earth, which is all. So Samaria, which interesting, Samaritans. This is interesting that the gospel was intended for a people to reach the other race. Samaritans in scripture were not looked from the Jewish culture. Were not looked at. Um, they were looked at, um, quote unquote, half breeds. Mixed. And the gospel the book of Acts was um, written by God, breathed by God on the early church and, and, and in the context of family, neighborhood, Samaria, Samaria or Samaritan, the other people, the looked down on people, the marginalized people, that is where you're to be a witness. Samaria, telling Jewish people, y'all need to go minister to some Samaritans like what we don't do that uh -huh. somebody say the other people 
Say the other race. What other race is there? The one that's not you. You got, you got any others in your world? You got any others at your dinner table? Oh, you got any? You got others at work, but do you have any others in your inner circle? Yeah. You got any others? Come on now. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Here it goes on. And there, look at this. This is the first church. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And it reads, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Say every nation. Every nation. I believe this is the fulfillment of what happened at, in, in Genesis chapter 11. The reconciliation of what happened in, um, in Genesis 11 was now reconciled in Acts. Before he even started this thing, he wanted to make sure he did it at a time when all nations were in the mix. And they would travel from all over. This is, this is what you call Pentecost, right? The Feast of Weeks. or It's a harvest feast. They came from all over the world to be a part of this festival. And, and, and you know God was in heaven going, okay, I'm going to time this just right. Make sure all nations are there. All nations were dispersed in Genesis 11. All nations were united in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. That's where we are. Look at your neighbor and say, that's where we are. All the nations were gathered and spoke different languages. This is the reconciliation of Genesis chapter 11. He said in, in, in there, in, in the prophetic picture of this, in, Joel, in the book of Joel, and then also spoken in Acts, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The church started this way, all the nations of the world. It started like that. That's how it started. It started. The Bible says that there was even confusion there. There was confusion. There was, God was okay with the, with the, with the, um, uh, the, 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 the confusion per se. Meaning there was a lot going on. God, God, when you get a bunch of different people in a room, you're going to have to work some things out. All right? And, and, and I think sometimes in the church, we create a church that's comfortable for a certain type of person. And then when another person gets there, they're extremely uncomfortable. Because it's not for them. They say it is, but it's not. Uh-oh. The church started this way, all nations of the world. The only way they could unite was by the Holy Spirit. Because they literally did not speak the same language. They had no other basis to connect other than the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. That is how God started it. And then he went on and, and he, 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 he led them or spurred them on into environments that cross cultural boundaries. As Peter did with, um, with Cornelius. Gentile, Italian, Jewish, go to his house. Like that did not happen. So what they experienced in an encounter moment with the Spirit of God coming, they had to actually live out in their life and in their ministry and in their church. Okay? Why has the church left this model? All right? This is the thing, is that we can be so concerned in the church or in our personal life. Let me talk to you here with catering to what we want and being super sensitive to what our culture wants as far as music like and the people we want in church. So the focus is let's create a happy environment for one type of person. That's what you call a bubble. 
But we are sending a different message to the world that we are prejudiced. So the church can create a nice, happy environment of one type of person. But think about what the world is saying or seeing there. That Jesus, God so loved the world. Well, we only got one type of person here, so we know he loves us. God forbid that they would say that, but what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they communicating? In this world, of in this culture and climate of political and racial tension, the church must be different. It is required. It is required. No, it is required because it's the heart of God. But secondarily, as a secondary consequence, the world needs to see something different. Hallelujah. Here we go. Here's the question. How much do we love all races, all cultures, all ethnicities, and all people groups? How much do we love them? Because here's the thing. There's going to be a price. People say, man, I just love all people, man. Let's all get together. Okay. Because then when that happens, somebody is going to say something ignorant sooner or later. Uh-huh. Because everybody's coming up in here with their bubble. Some bubbles are bigger than others. And somebody's going to say, and they, they might not even mean it. It might be subconscious. Can I get an amen? It just might be, that's what their mama or dad had told them. And then they're around people that just don't get it. And, they, and something's going to pop off, <laughs> potentially. Come on now. D was like, amen, sure, it sure will. <laughs> right? So how much do we love them? How much do we love people different than us? More than tolerating them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why, you know, this is the gospel, people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor. Who's your neighbor? The other. The Samaritan. Do you have any Samaritans in your inner circle? Hopeland Church. All right. Love is risky. True love always has a cost. There's a risk in creating a culturally diverse church. One comment said in ignorance can set something off. And it will happen at times. But um, I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with the ignorance. I'm okay with having to deal with it. I'm okay with having to deal with it. I'm okay with walking with some people. Come on now. I'm okay. I ain't trying to create something so safe and cute. So we don't have to deal with no problems with each other. Come on now. And there's so many good things that come out of this. But I'm saying, I believe part of the reason people don't want to do this is because they don't want to pay the price for it. Here it is too, man. This is, I, I, I study this stuff. I listen to other pastors. There's a, there's a pastor in Atlanta. has a huge church. He started, and this is, the South is a whole different story than L.A., and, and in my experience, it just coming up in California, just being around so many different kinds of people, right? So my context is different. But this man, I mean, he came up in the racially segregated South. He, he grew up, older gentleman, grew up in the time of the letter I just read. And he, he went to a black person's house. Oh, no, they, they invited a black couple over, just young pastors at the time, late 80s. And, she's like, and the black lady was like, wow, uh, this is cool. Thank you for having me. You know, she was just so blessed to be there. And they were just like, wow. You're just, and she's like, yeah, I've never been invited over a white person's house. And he wept. He, it broke his heart. 
And he's like, we have to do something about this as pastors. He said when he first started his church, it was all whites. It's just what they did. It's white people. Have white churches. In the South. And it messed with him. So 1990 is when he really started this. And now his, I mean, he's got a huge church. It's like 12,000 members. But it's a super uh, mixed environment. This is what he noticed. And this is where I want to get down to the nitty gritty of this stuff. Is he, he says, and this does happen in culture, that if a white pastor does this, intentionally says, man, I'm gonna, I want to do this. I, wanna sh- I care about others. And I want to create an environment for others. That he, that he said, when I did it, and when churches do do it in certain environments, that white people start to leave. Yeah, and he said this, that he said this, that he was okay with it. This is why, because there is a cost. I'm not saying it's okay, but he's okay. He's not going to stop doing it because they may leave. Because they start to feel outnumbered or whatever. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So if you're white in here, we're already outnumbered. extremely outnumbered (laughs) hallelujah I got a lot of Mexican friends a lot of Asian friends and a lot of black friends this is how we want to do this okay Um, here it is I got a point here am I willing to be planted in an environment that will make me feel uncomfortable and I'm okay if you don't meaning I don't want you to leave but this is what we're doing this is our vision, uh, loving people, all people, all right? You know, you need to, a- you need to ask yourself that question. And if you, if you are in an environment that is uh, culturally and racially diverse and you're not uncomfortable, chances are you're still staying in your bubble. We must love people of other cultures as much as we love people of our own culture. Must, required gospel Jesus come on now I'll even venture to say this we need and I'm speaking as a white man let me talk to the uh, white people in here we need to make an exerted effort in loving people accepting people engaging with people more out of our culture than in our culture no amens on that but that's okay because it's the gospel that wasn't a white person that even said amen over there, huh? I got one over here. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. All right, and once again, I want to reiterate, this isn't your affinity for a certain culture because that's, that's kind of comes with it. You always got the one white person that's always around a group of black people or the one white person always hanging around them. The, and that isn't everybody's story. Sometimes that's easier for them. Can I, get a, can I get a witness? I'm talking about all of us, everybody. We got to step outside of our culture. We must love people of other cultures as much as we love people of our own culture. I'm going to say it again. We must love people of other cultures as much as we love people of our own culture. Here we go. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. I'm walking through this. Are you guys getting something out of this? For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether it is enough to finish it? You got to be willing to pay the price. I'm telling you right now, as your pastor, my wife and I, we're willing to pay the price. 
We are willing to pay the price. Look at, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I am willing to be misunderstood and unfriended by my white friends if the price of reconciliation is too much for them. I am willing to be misunderstood. I'm, 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 I'm fine with it. I don't want to cause any more separation. But if, you ain't, if you're not with this, it's okay. Because we aren't moving from this. This is how we roll. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Believe it or not, check this out. Believe it or not, this, this has to do with the message. My boy Montel Jordan, right? No. No, the, the pastor I mentioned, it's a church victory something in Atlanta. He, Montel Jordan's actually his worship pastor. Yeah. Not a trip. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Yeah, let's go. For which, in, which of you intending to build? If you, look at Building a spiritual house is beautiful. It's God. It is kingdom. It is heaven. But it has a cost. And I'm okay with it. All right? All right. And, and look it. Um, I'm going to share some things here. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge. If, can I challenge some of our, our, our white brothers and sisters in here? Is that all right? No? Yeah. None of the people, none of the non-white people wanted to say amen to that. But, but can I challenge us? Can I speak as a white man and just challenge? And look it. This is the thing, um, uh, white brothers and sisters. And I mean this. You... When, when, I, when I speak on these things, this isn't about you as a person. It's about what's prevalent in culture, in history. And as a white man, a white spiritual leader, I feel the responsibility because of history in this nation to challenge white people. Amen, Pastor Sean. You preaching good, bro. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm not picking on you, but history, uh, we have to take a look at history and not get defensive. And you not being racist isn't the win. I'm glad you're not racist, but that's not the goal. I don't think you are racist. I don't believe you are racist. But we have been born into a nation that we're talking. All right, do you, can I go there? Can I talk here? Look it. I mean, just, hey, the history books will tell you this. The history books will tell you this. I'm after reconciliation. I'm willing to walk through the dirty mud to get there. That white people have a 200-year head start on other ethnicities in this nation especially they have a 200-year start on black people. I'm not getting political. History tells you that. That we're looking back, what, 70 years where certain key laws were passed? Laws don't change everything. Laws start something. In a democracy, laws take forever. Laws can change, but it don't, there's still people in power. It is, I'm not blaming the white people. I'm not blaming you. You weren't even born back then. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to speak up. Yeah. And sometimes our white brothers and sisters do this. And 
I'm not even going to say it's intentionally. And I'm going to write it. And some of this I got from the pastor in Atlanta. Just some of the stuff he, he's sharing and stuff from experience. He's been doing this for 20 years in the segregated South. And uh, he knows what he's talking about. Okay, so I, I'm not, this isn't just something I'm pulling out of nowhere. Okay, are you guys with me still? You guys going to come back next week and hear my wife preach? Okay. All right, here we go. White people at times can look at prejudice as only an individual problem. But they, made, they don't see it as a communal, institutional, and systemic problem. Don't absorb it into your person. Take responsibility for speaking up for the others. And here it is. And this goes for everybody, but I, I want to challenge us white people. Hallelujah. Share this podcast <laughs> to all your white friends. Hallelujah. Whites must look at American history, face it for what it is, and respond with understanding and reconciliation. You don't know what it feels like until you're the minority. Put yourself in an environment where you are the minority, and your emotions, will, you'll experience things you've never experienced. Do it. How does it feel? Feel it. Because there's been people for generations that have felt that four generations their whole life and it's not just a feeling there's been you know just injustices across the board I'm just saying white folks put yourself in, a, in an environment where you're the minority and I believe this is the thing you can educate yourself brilliant but I'm here to tell you right now and I felt like God was just telling me this to encourage you with this that relational context will educate you better than a book Marry somebody outside your culture. See, what, see how that feels. Can I get a witness? You mixed it couples up in here. Right? You know, little things. You know what I'm saying? Like, straight, I'm a straight up white boy, man. I, I didn't know lotion was that important. I did not know. I did not know. My wife, I mean, she gave, I mean, when Gia was born, I didn't, I, I was like, she was like, did you put lotion on her after her bath? I'm like, what for? I don't, I don't have ashy elbows. It's white people. It's white people problems. I mean, at least, you know what I'm saying? Some white people are like, I, I put lotion on. Okay, all right. You, you've been cultured, okay? I'm working on it. Come on now. Married people, you can could, you could testify some cultural differences. Come on. Married, mixed, yeah, no, little bit, yeah, okay. Chris is like, yep. Sure can. He's not about to get the mic though. But uh, here we go. Here we goes. Here we go. All right. Here it is. We're almost done here. Okay. I just wanted to really lay a foundation with this. Are you guys getting something out of this? There are things. Here it is. Not this for everyone. But there are things in our culture that create distinction, which is great and it's beautiful. And, I, and it's to be celebrated, the, like music and food and just whatever. There's just the, you know, there's, there's things that culture is that. It's beautiful. We celebrate and enjoy those things. But this goes for everybody. There are things in our culture that are idolatrous. It is culture, but it is demonic. Somebody say amen. It goes for everybody. There are things that are neutral, that are just distinct. It's just special. It's beautiful. But there are things that are spiritually wrong, but they're in our culture. Cultures. 
And, it, and, it, and it, it, all, you, you guys, I'm sure you got your own list that you could talk about, your own culture. The whole thing about love is that we're seeking to understand and then to be understood, okay? Here we go. I'm going to have just about a few points here that we'll just go through pretty quick. But if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, okay, let's go there, all right? And I'm just going to end in a couple minutes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. All right. For he himself is our peace, who has, here it is, this is it right here, has made both one. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's talking about people in different cultural spaces and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God, all people groups, Jew and Gentile. God has reconciled all of humanity to himself, and the church must live out what this scripture is saying. In one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, if Jesus died for it and it produced a spiritual result in humanity, why aren't churches experiencing the cultural um, integration in their churches? If this is what, this is, he brought, made the two one. Think about the, the tension in the early church. The Gentiles and the Jews coming together. Man, there was some tension. Some people are talking about, man, we got to get back to the early church. You don't want no early church. Come on now. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off. Talking about Gentiles. And to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Come on, somebody say spiritual. For through him we both, all people, have access by one spirit to the Father. Here it is. I'm going to break this down. We're almost done. One of the priorities of the cross was to break down the barriers of earthly culture. If you're taking notes, one of the priorities of the cross was to break down the barriers of earthly culture. Here's another one. One of the priorities of the cross was to unify all people groups in kingdom culture. Here we go. I got two more. The church is called to reconcile people to Christ, right? I know. Yes, everybody say amen. But here's here. Oh, let's take it a step further. Say, take it a step further, Pastor Sean. Say, take it a step further, Pastor Sean. Thank you. I will. The church is responsible to reconcile people to people. Yeah, I got more amens on the whole reconcile people to Christ. Because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation reconciling the world and everybody in it to him right here it is here it is the actuality of unity and cultural diversity in the church community must speak louder than the preacher talking about unity from the platform The actuality of unity and cultural diversity in the church community must speak louder than the preacher talking about unity from the platform. The actuality of unity and cultural diversity in the church community must speak louder than the preacher talking about unity from the platform.
My last scripture, and then we're going to close. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. Look at this. He's saying, take what you get from God and bring it to people. If you're so spiritual with God, take this to people. If you're so Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, full of the word, mighty woman of faith and power. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, look at your neighbor and say, I, get, I got some of that. If any comfort of love, say, I got a little bit of that. Any fellowship of the Spirit, say, I got a little bit of that this morning. Any affection, mercy, look at your neighbor and say, I got a whole lot of that. Lord knows I got a whole lot of mercy. Verse 2, fulfill my joy. Look, spiritual leader, fulfill my joy, Philippian church, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now he's bringing it to people. One accord, one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Here it is, let each esteem others better than himself. Better than yourself. Look, I don't, I don't hate myself, Pastor Sean. But here it's saying, if you got a whole lot going on with you and Jesus, you ought to take that and treat the others better than you would treat yourself. How about, let me say it this way, treat the others better than you would treat your own culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others. Uh, there it is, others, the others, better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, his own cultural interests, his own, his bubble. Don't just cater to your bubble. Get outside the bubble. Let's, want, a part of our vision is change your world. Can't change a world if you're in a bubble. Can't change the world if you're in a bubble. Can't change a multi-ethnic, multi-diverse city if you're in a bubble. Way too much goodness on the outside of that bubble. Get on out of that bubble. Pop the bubble. Destroy the bubble. Break through the bubble. Come on, blow up the bubble. <laughs> Get out the bubble. Get out of the bubble. Some of us, were in different kind of bubbles. Maybe it not, may, may not be ethnic. It might be socioeconomic. Get out of the bubble. It might be, I, I come from skateboarding. It might sound weird, but that is a bubble. I mean, it has a mindset and a way of thinking. I'm still getting delivered from some of it. It's a process. Just the other day, my, I said something. My wife's like, stop hating. You're a skater hater. I'm like, what do you, what? I, I, what? I, what what'd I say? You ever... You're like, oh, I, maybe I did say something. Somebody say bubble. <laughs> Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Come on now. Come on now. Somebody say culture wars. <laughs> All right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope you enjoyed the message, and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings, and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope, and your future in God is great.